0: The author, one of her points in the book, the one that's probably stuck with you maybe the most is like the number one human bias is this is that we think other people think like we think. Ooh, that's a good one.
1: Welcome to the Action Academy podcast. Stand back while I celebrate freedom, the show where we help you achieve financial independence with the mindsets, methods, and actionable steps. From guests who've already earned their freedom. The flags of freedom fly. fly. Choose to do what you want. What you want. With who you want. With who you want. When you want. When you want. With another episode today. Now, here's your host, Brian Lubin. What's up, guys? It's your host, as always, Brian Lubin, hoping you get rich, happy, and free with a capital F in your life and business today. Today's episode is a fantastic and wide arcing conversation with none other than my new buddy, Adrian Kohler. Adrian's a well-renowned performance and CEO coach specializing in helping CEOs specifically scale from $20 million up to $100 million plus in their companies. Today's conversation is all over the place with different tactics, tidbits, leadership lessons scattered throughout. Talk about how to lead a team as a high performer, how to delegate, how to give feedback, how to get the most out of other people that you're working with or employees. And lastly, at the end of the episode, we talk about how to have a dual entrepreneur household because Adrian is married to Ali Webb, who is the founder of Drybar and exited that company for multiple hundreds of millions of dollars. So they have an extraordinarily entrepreneurial household. So it's very cool to get his perspective on that relationship and how they are able to navigate their marriage through business. As always, if you guys are enjoying the show, I would greatly appreciate it if you could share it with at least one friend. At least one friend, send it over to them via text, social media, whatever have you. That's how we grow the show. It's really organic. Word of mouth is the best way to go about it. So I would greatly appreciate that. And let's get to the show. Adrian, what is going on, my brother? How are you? I'm good, man. So glad to be here with your crew. Man, I'm excited to have you. Shout out to Chris Goodman, who's the new official business coach for me, Action Academy, Sexton Media. He made the introduction and said that you are someone that is on purpose and on fire with what you are doing currently. So I'll allow you to introduce yourself to the audience. Who is Adrian and what do
0: you do? Hey, thanks for having me on, man. Who is Adrian? That's a big question. How long we got? You said we had uh, yeah. 50 minutes. That's two, long two, three question. hours. We're going Rogan style. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Who am I? Who am I? I'm a guy that's committed to being committed in life for sure. So how am I doing? The real answer, how am I doing? It's been a mixed bag over the last couple of weeks, to be honest. So sure. recording this mid-January, we've had a tragedy in our, my work family, my business partner's. A grandson was killed from a tree falling through his house. So, we as a team are really grieving at the moment. Sorry to hear that. The loss of, yeah, the loss of this young child, two and a half year old boy. And so, I run a leadership coaching and training company called Take New Ground. And at the same point, why do I do that? So I do that because for me, there's nothing more important to do than to help leaders thrive in the world, period. You want to help the world? Help leaders thrive. If you want to get an exponential result, help the most amount of people be in an ever expanding conversation about their own capacity and to do that from a place that they're committed to an altruistic outcome, like helping the most amount of people get what they want. So... For some, that's, I know a lot of with this audience is like the experiencing a level of freedom that they never thought they could experience before. And f- freedom is going to give people a, the ability to go generate exponential outcomes for themselves, but hopefully do it in a way that like shares results with other people, whether that's sure. having thriving conversations or whether that's financial outcomes or being a phenomenal parent or being a phenomenal partner or whatever they're looking for, uh, making some kind of philanthropic impact, whatever that is. The impact, freedom is like space and optionality. Where people are coming from a character perspective, that's what really shapes what that is. So my, my work is to help people get a hold of Living the life for themselves, and then inside organizational life that they're really proud of long term. So I don't know. People throw around the term legacy all the time, and they think about that in, in really romantic terms. But if they imagine they died today, are people going to be forever blessed, or the life is going to be enhanced by the gift that you were? Or are they going to live with some kind of longing, like you were never quite there? And I want to help people grapple with that as soon as possible. And it takes a lot of guts to grapple with that. And it takes a lot of skill. There's art to grappling with that in a way that works instead of most people settle for regret and shame and that kind of bullshit. But yeah, so who am I? I'm the guy that really knows that shit matters. And I want people to, to, in this kind of superficial age that we're in, to be in a deeper conversation with themselves because anything that keeps them up at night Is the deeper things people are managing symptoms instead of getting down to core conversations. Said my friend.
1: So you said the pain of regret. So I always like to say there's two pains. There's the pain of failure, or there's the pain of regret. And the pain of failure is what most is what paralyzes most people when they get into that analysis paralysis, whether that be real estate, stock, business, entrepreneurship. But I would say that the pain of regret is far worse. Because to be on your deathbed at 85 years old and to ask the question, did I live a life that was full to the brim? Did I mash the gas as much as I could? A lot of people say no. And then they're on their deathbed and they're feeling really bad about that. That's why we try to help people on this podcast, man. It's exactly what you're saying. I view myself as a cup with the bottom cut off of it. I'm a vessel, not a recipient. And so here we are. That's why we do the freaking show. So great. when you talk about leadership, you talk about fearless leadership a lot. What's wrong yeah. with leaders today? And what do you, where do you take them? What's the point A for a leader that you work with at the macro level and even at a micro level for your professional career? And what's the point B that you take them to or at least aspire to?
0: Yeah. Most people, 95, probably even higher than that percent of the people that we, that I talk to on a daily basis or get referred to me, they've talked to somebody that's worked with us. And most of them come to us because they've got some kind of, there's something going on and they're finally tired of it. Now it can be because it's gotten so bad that now that's like the, the thing's on fire or they've just decided to scale the thing and Everybody I work with is brilliant, very capable, for the most part already have educated themselves, like they can do it like in a non-traditional sense. But there are an aspect of building a business that if you're gonna build out a team, you need both the art and the science. And most of them are lopsided. For the most part, they're the science side of it. And but mm. the how to break through to other people isn't something they know how to do. Mostly because nobody ever had to break through to them. So if you're really highly ambitious, People didn't have to talk you into doing anything. They never had to run an intervention on, hey, why don't you give an extra 10% because they're already giving 110%. So they never had to learn it. So they don't know how to teach it. And most of the breakthroughs on a team come out of the capacity of a leader to generate a conversation inside one of the team members that isn't there. They are unconsciously competent, somebody might say. So they don't know how to teach something because they never had to learn it. Now they bring to me all the symptoms of the stuff that's not working, but they haven't yet taken themselves on that their inability or there can be inability. A lot of times just unwillingness as well. Like it, they're just, it's just a pain in the ass. Like, why should I have to tell Tom to do this or that kind of example? I shouldn't have to. And we, they get, they gauge themselves. Are they're judging other people as they're, I do. Them
1: Yeah.
0: Right, right on, right on. Yeah. So instead of, But really, what is underneath that? Either they, if they got into the conversation, they wouldn't know how to have it, or they are almost everybody I talk to, I'm just thinking, that's probably not almost everybody, every single person I talk to, they're overachievers. Their dirty little secret is that they can perform at like a five out of 10 and nobody notices because they're so good.
1: Meaning it's probably- I get get what you're saying. You know so like the their their baseline is so good and they're so unconsciously competent at it that they're yeah. not even used to redlining their own potential. No, and usually their world
0: is so full, it, it's convenient that there's not space to even wonder about that. They're putting out fires every day as if they're like the looking for a gold star for being a martyr. Like they're so busy and they're not asking them how they're contributing to the breakdown that's there because they're used to being like the top the, the top of the food chain in the organization. And people haven't challenged them directly in a long time. They'll challenge them indirectly or challenge them around the water cooler or talk shit or with usually withholding from them is what usually what happens. People have a lot of ideas, a lot of challenges they're unwilling to say because of the typical arrogance in again, executive leader. They just don't want to hear it. That's the conversation I want to have. So to your point is there are things so because they're so good, they can sandbag it and be it a 5 out of 10 and nobody notices but they notice and they live with a level of regret they live with a level of despair really of what's possible for them and <laughs> but they don't but they don't talk about it because they're so busy being successful and who wants to hear a successful person complaining about why they're not more successful and so they hold it back instead of getting real with it and really deciding that getting the most out of life is the point of life, period. And if, and so they give that up and that is full of despair and they live this kind of, I don't know what we would call like the regret of necessity where they like are just busy dealing with current reality all the time they've held themselves back from dreaming beyond what they've got right now. Like for so for the people listening that are stars in the corporate world, And they have an idea about what it would look like to go out on their own. And they might have some big numbers to that, but they probably don't fully own what's possible for them in every realm of their life. Because if they did, it would create such a level of conviction that they know they're just a coward. So instead, they'll create an argument for why (laughs) they they shouldn't or they can't and then justify it with the golden handcuffs and the people they love and blah, 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 expectations from when they were 12. And they'll justify that. But that gnaws at people. Kierkegaard's got this famous quote that men find a level of despair that's tolerable and call that happiness. There's that (laughs) dynamic, right? And so much of my work is based on helping people confess all these under-owned dreams they've got. And I'm not here like, Some kind of life coach guy. I'm not here saying like how great life should be. No, life is suffering. It's really freaking hard, not like suffering all the time. But if you're going to strive after something, you're just signing up for being taken, for being taken apart. If I'm going to go after something that's really worth having, I will look like a fool on a regular basis. And, but in order, but most people will avoid looking like a fool. They want to avoid looking like a fool because that's a survival tactic. And. If I avoid look like a fool, I must lower my vision. So when people come to me, they've got an inkling of what's possible. They're unwilling to be fully undone in order to get it. That's where they begin. Where we get to is that they really decide not to give a shit about how they look and are really deciding to live an integrous life. Like, I'm going to own it, and I'm going to look like a fool on my way to owning it, which is the only way to fully own it, because you're going to look like a fool. And so you need to apologize for a lot of the previous behavior that's very socially acceptable, like being nice is a very socially acceptable behavior. Now, I'm saying I'm a kind guy, and I love people deeply. Yeah, don't be a dickhead, but. Yeah, but it's also it's you to raise the bar. So much of the pain on the teams of the founders I'm working with is they had this founding team and they were really great, and then they grow, and they grew, and now they're doing twenty million a year, and the people that got him there, that got them to that point, can't handle. They don't even know how to get the company to get to fifty million, and the founder doesn't really either. But they're committed to go learning and getting all the resources at the table, and they're going to keep people around because they want to be nice instead of saying, "Hey, here's what's really going on." We're at 20. We want to get to 50. And either you've got to put yourself through a deep educational process and go get a ton of mentors and go figure this out and then work twice as hard for this amount of sprint time. If you want to be here for that ride that I'm really committed to, that's what that's going to look like. And if you don't want to do that, I totally understand. But just admit it. Admit it. Yeah. Like here's where the bar really is. Here's really where I'm going. So ironically, people come in and I'm talking to them. And they have really hyper ambitious, have a lot of like relational collateral damage around them because they are really blunt, really ambitious, reactive. And I actually invite them to get even more unapologetic about their commitments. But to do that in a way that works for other people. And if you're both ambitious and loving, I call it fierce advocacy. That's what I am for my people. I'm a fierce advocate for them, meaning I want what they want. I want them to get what they want, usually at a level beyond, because I'm not tied into all their bullshit about anything that won't work. I just think everything's possible if they actually throw themselves at it. And I'm fierce in the sense that I'm not, I tell them all the time, in order to believe in you at the level I believe in you, that means I'm going to have to not believe you. <laughs> so you're going to tell me stuff that everybody else nods to. I'm going to either call things out that I'm noticing that you're emi- you're omitting in the conversation, or invite you to double every goal you've got. And I love it, if you man. don't if you don't want that level of challenge,
1: I totally understand. There's plenty of coaches out there. So it's funny that you say that. Believe it or not, I just did a full disc profile, a Chris's thing, and I just wrote down my four biggest fears. So, believe it or not, I'm a massive ID. Yeah. So that's me. And that kind of fits the mold of a type A visionary leader. So that's what I'm at. And I just need to move fast. I need to move fierce. I need to make decisions. It's all about decisiveness. I'm writing down my four fears. And wouldn't you know it, like you and I rehearse this or something. Like I take a cold hard, I take a hard look at myself. I enjoy introspection. I think it's a superpower. And so he said, write your four biggest fears, and fears one through three are failure. And then I put in parentheses, actually, no, I'm not really afraid of failure. I'm afraid of the appearance of failure. Right. I'm not afraid of failing. If I were to fail a hundred times and nobody knew it, I'm okay with that. I'm an entrepreneur. I understand that's part of the journey, but to have the public disgrace of failure, that's the fear is looking like an idiot publicly. And then the other fear that I put that was pretty rock solid was not living up to my fullest potential because exactly what you said is true. I was a high performer. I am a high performer. And sometimes I'm like, okay, I just had a $20,000, $50,000 a month. But I'm at a five. I'm not pushing this as hard as I can push it. Yep. And so I'm in the process of what you're talking about in scale. I have a mentor of mine that I quote on this podcast over and over again. He says the three kind of different layers and levels of business are like an I do, a we do, and a they do. So the I do is maybe you through blunt force and sheer will, build your company up to that million dollar mark. And then you need to build team and then have a team and it's a we do it together. And then that's how you take it to the 10 million. And then it needs to become a they do to where people are running autonomous and then they're able to do it while you're on the board of directors overseeing everything. Mm -hmm. I'm in the I do going to the we do. So this conversation is very apt to have right now because I understand the science. I need help with the art. That's Mm -hmm. what I'm learning. So where do... First-time founders, where do leaders that are building from the solopreneur thing, growing that team, those first core hires, where do you see them getting it wrong over and over again? And what's some pieces of advice that you could offer to a dude hosting a podcast in front of you right now and other people that are listening that are <laughs> aspiring to create their own company and build the we do? Yeah, yeah,
0: that's great. So much here. I've got 10 questions about your confessions around the fear. Of, anyway, I've got a lot of
1: things in to <laughs> today, but I'll, start, I'll honor the podcast host collide, man. For <laughs> are running
0: the podcast. I'll follow your lead. My suggestion for those that are looking to go from the I do to the we do. First off, you better own the fact that you're really, I and mean, you do, but own the fact that you're really exceptional. There's a book that uh, people that want to read shit, uh, it's called Conversational Intelligence, really read. The author, one of her points in the book, the one that's probably stuck with you maybe the most is like, the number one human bias is this, is that we think other people think like we think. Ooh, that's a good one. And that's, and she's saying it like it's gravity. I think it's gravity only because we only live in our own perception anyway. And we're- That's all ego. Yeah. Brian's thinking about Brian almost all the time. Adrian's thinking about Adrian almost all the time. And we, if you're an ambitious person, you're not anywhere on accident. You're like making really clear decisions and for great reasons. So you keep confirming your own viewpoint. Right. So the world seems stupid if they're not doing what you've been doing. Right. So anyway, first off, if you're going to leave, if you, it's a, it's a serious commitment. It sounds great on Instagram to scale something. It's a serious commitment. If you actually decide to do it because there's a lot of comfort you must leave. So you, if you're your own boss, you get to manage yourself 100% of the time. And you know yourself, hopefully. You know yourself so you can work your own system, right? Some days I'm a really good boss, some days I'm a really crappy employee to myself. I have to talk myself into things, right? But I know me and I know how to set up the system to set myself up to win. If I decide to bring anybody else in my orbit, the level of complexity is exponentially higher. Sure. Because there's no way you're really going to ever fully know that person, even if they fully know themselves. And the chance of them knowing themselves to the level that you know yourself is pretty slim because highly ambitious people tend to want to know themselves really well because it's a necessity. So, my point is that you're, oh, I was just talking to one of my clients today. She was a, ex, a executive sales, a winner as a sales executive in her industry. And now she's running a, she built a company in her industry and she's having frustrations with her salesperson. And she, and a, she's busy thinking a lot around why this person isn't seeing it the way. And I just said, just get over it. She's never going to be as good as you ever. Now, what you're not, what you are doing is you're commandeering and you're taking back over and doing her work for her. This is your problem. And you don't, because people wrestle with the
1: unconscious competency, which for you. Can can you hit on that really quickly? I understand what you're saying, but talk about the four levels of competency for somebody that's. So we all start with being unconsciously
0: incompetent, right? I'm not good at something and I don't know why because I've just started it out and I'm not that smart at it. And then we grow. So then I, and I notice and I pay attention and I want to get better. So then I become consciously incompetent. Like now it's something's not working and I can analyze it and know it's, Oh, shoot. I didn't do that. Okay. Good. Now I know why I'm bad. And then I go learn stuff or go find a mentor or go whatever. And then when you shift over and you become really competent, you are consciously competent. And now I'm doing these things. I'm not, I'm no longer doing those things that didn't work. Now I'm doing these things that do work and I build a system for that and I operationalize it and all that kind of stuff. That's great. If you do it long enough and you build in for you, for sure, and for everybody that I work with, they're, intu- they intuitively know shit. So. They, over time, they're going to, they become unconsciously competent. They're really good at things. And now all of that 10 years of practice in their body, they just know in a sales meeting what to say and what not to say. Or they know, they look out at the market and they say, oh, this, if I'm going to buy real estate, oh, this house and this neighborhood's going to work, this house isn't. And they might have the data back there somewhere, but they just end up trusting their hunches. Yeah. So unconsciously competent people generate results on accident. So that's the, that's part of the distinction is like they, they don't know how to teach on how to generate the results that they have in their lives. You know, what they, yeah, you know, I, I, this hit me when I was working with a guy. He runs one of the biggest security firms in the world. And I didn't know it was so true until it hit him and then he wrote a whole book on it. But I said, what you, what the, the things. That you do most naturally, you likely teach most poorly.
1: And that's a bitch.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is. Well, it's a source of frustration. That's right.
1: It's awful, man. Good God, it's terrible. So for me... And it all goes, circles back to that 10,000 hours because that's where you develop that unconscious competence once you complete your 10,000 hours. And for me, that's sales and marketing. Like I've already done that. I've put it, put in my kicks, I've put in my training and then I don't understand why other people don't get it. And I can't, I'm like, or when it comes to content creation and copywriting, I've already done that. So I'm like, why don't you get this? Like, why don't you understand Uh what makes a video pop? Why don't you understand what copy to put? So yeah. how do people how can people get better at articulation so that they can be able to manufacture magic at scale at least a percentage of it because we're not going to clone ourselves no but we can better we can pull some levers to be able to better increase the efficiency of these teams yeah first off you better get some witnesses in your life
0: meaning that i say this to my team all the time It happened naturally. And then now I've started talking about it is that I had one guy on my team. He's a partner on my team and would be on calls with people and he would be taking notes. And after the meeting, he'd say, wow, when you said this, when you did that really work. Now I wasn't thinking about it. I was just on the meeting doing my thing, but he helped point out essentially the gap for him between what he would have done and what I did and what I did happen to work. So, it's good to get some witnesses around you because it seems so natural to you, but it is a master's level education in some certain domains, right? There's certain things you're really great at. You pointed them out. It's a master's level. It seems to you like just you being Brian on a Tuesday, but for them, it's a, there's it, it, it an education there and you need somebody else to make that distinction because what's really natural for you is higher level education for them.
1: So, so a feedback witness. loop.
0: Yeah. And yeah, and make yourself a study. If you're really that good, you ought to make yourself a study. Meaning, and it's
1: difficult because the best. Go on. Yeah. No, no. Difficult because so selfishly, and then people can take what I'm saying from this podcast. You could apply it to your own core competent businesses. But my tree trunk right now is the mastermind community behind this Action Academy community. So right now, that's a major core tree trunk of my business. And there's people at different levels within the community. So my kind of thing that I try to help people do is go from captive income to passionate income. So that's getting them out of that corporate job, which is captive to passive to where they have some investments under their belt and then moving into passionate, which is now you are escaping financial gravity. You've hit quote unquote financial freedom and then figuring out what the hell do you actually enjoy doing? Build a business around that. Ipso facto this podcast, right? So that's my entire business in a nutshell. And so there are times. I'm doing this balancing act already within the community to where sometimes I accidentally go too high level. And so it's a regulation system and where I'm trying to develop a feedback loop to where I'm saying, whoa, okay, is this registering or do we need to bring it down here? Do we need to position it like this? what way can we package this information the best because we also have a bias to who we talk to every day Uh if you're talking to founders going from 20 million to 50 million to 100 million then that two million dollar founder may have something lost in translation whenever you're trying to explain a concept to them are there any ways to bridge this gap that you found to be successful if i were you sure selfishly screw you guys listening (laughs) (laughs) No, everyone gets value from this.
0: You've got an you've got an interesting system around you. So there are people. So you one of your best gifts is but to probably to be at that high level conversation. You've done it. You've worked your way all the ladder, whatever, blah, blah blah, and you're up here right now. And there's people at different stages of the ladder. There are people that won't ever reach your level if they don't become great translators. You could spend your time trying to make sure that everybody at different levels of maturity or experience understand, but that's you running up and down the ladder all day long instead of calling the people that are like midway up the ladder to be translators. And actually, because, you know, we learn what we teach. People have said that for 50 years or a long Mm -hmm. time. And so for if people that are generous want to teach other people what they, people that are generous want to understand people's problems better than they understand them. Yes. Because then they can actually help. So if you called, if everybody keeps looking at you, you've got trouble. Correct. But if there's layers in the organization where, you know, you there are people that are on their way to being the next Brian. And they can actually take on some more responsibility in the organization to check empowering the people that are on their way closer to you to be the ones that are translating. That's I'd spend some time thinking about that. Most leaders wouldn't do that. The guru and the student model is what people really like, and so the guru mm, gets all yeah. the attention. But I
1: don't yeah, think, yeah, purposely do not. I want to be a guru-less thing. I don't want yeah. it to be, and that's part of the process that we're going through right now. We're, we're, this isn't the Brian Lubin show. This isn't the action. Like this is the Action Academy. It's not the Brian Lubin show. And to provide a little bit more context, I bring in guest speakers a lot. But sometimes a guest speaker may be speaking about how to get your first investment property. Next guest speaker is making $500,000 a month from their investments. So there's a gap between there. And so I think that true genius is found in being able to take complex topics and break them down simply. I think that's where millions are made. In any business, being able to explain really difficult concepts simply is what gets the money. And so for me, I view myself as a translator on this podcast because what I do is I take people like you, I take people mostly in that eight to 10-figure mark. So I had a couple billionaires and some people up in the hundreds of millions, and I try to dissect what they do, and I break it down to somebody that's listening to the sound of my voice right now to where they can understand it as they're driving to work or driving back or maybe leading their team. So yeah, so always open to feedback, always open to pivots. And it's fun doing this podcast because I get to grow and get a masterclass live and in color for everybody else to benefit from.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I would just add, and this is from a personal experience as well, and I've been part of lots of business network type stuff. And many of them bring in outside experts, which can be really, usually what's underutilized is the expertise inside the community. Meaning Mm -hmm. that there are those that are in the, that haven't, are not at the top of the mountain, but are in the climb. And actually their experience is more connective than the ones that have already made it to the top. Because the ones that made it to the top are like anecdotally talking about what it was like. And they're not like actually still sweating from yesterday's call.
1: Yeah. So I love that. And that's. I think that's what makes this podcast work. I think that's what it makes it work. Because I'm not talking from the perspective of having a $50 million exit yet. I'm talking from the perspective of the guy that's building it. Yep. That's super fun. I want to take I want to take a bit of a pivot here for time's sake. And I want to talk yep. about because you are a freaking power couple with you in your relationship and yep. I had that before in my relationship and where we had two entrepreneurial forces in the household and it was yep. very difficult. I was about to say my my mind wanted to say at times, but the reality was all the time. There's a lot of people that are listening to this show where they're doing their thing. They're on their climb. Their spouse is on their climb. Their significant other is doing the same thing. Have a really unique perspective on this, of navigating this. Love your perspective on this and how to have a healthy balance, how to have success in this. And keep, that, keep the relationship as well when you're both powerhouses in business. Yeah.
0: Well, first off, I don't ever try to balance anything. I think balance is a fool's errand. I think balance naturally is a zero sum game. Sure. It's set up that way. And that's not the way life works. We know that. But even if we were successful at getting a balance, then everybody can't move because anybody possibilities seem like a threat if we're looking for stability. So I would aim at, I would aim at what's naturally occurring anyway, which is instability. Meaning like it's going to be unstable. If you get too very. So almost embrace it. Oh, not almost embrace it. Want it. But generate instability for the right reasons. You could have instability because of dysfunction or immaturity or foolishness. That can be instability. Or you could have instability because of pursuit, because of loving interruption. You could have instability because there's more that's happening than was supposed to be. Like, we've got chaos in the house right now. And we're both because both of our the things that we're doing are really thriving. And Allie is got eight or nine things that are happening right
1: now. So, so do you. Like, th- are you both are on fire.
0: Yeah. What's the best thing for me to do? Um, and I guess I can speak to some of the gender differences, but my role is to make sure I'm stable in my own world first. Mm. So if I don't, if, so IE some daily practices, IE make sure that I'm a place where she can be, this, this was my my it wasn't really a promise to her. It was an observation that got me at first date with Allie, which was, you know, Allie very successful, huge exit with Dry Bar and all that. I just said, I bet you have a hard time dating because, like, you could either date some kind of emotionless billionaire—that's a stereotype—or some kind of <laughs> some kind of dude like that's like more—I don't know—use the stereotype. Or you could date some kind of artist guy that's really emotionally available or something. But I bet you need somebody that's not threatened by your greatness, but also is stable enough that you can be as broken and as human as you need to be. And you've got a safe spot to be exactly wherever you're at. Because obviously, she's a human and she's got a shark tank, shark status. And she's a just like all of us. Struggling like a, like every human does, but you can stop being Alley Webb and just be Alley around somebody. I bet it's hard for you to find somebody that can give you both, and that's what we hit it off right away because I got that calling. I got the fact that like my job is to create the space in which she can thrive and be and not thrive simultaneously. Whatever's happening, so my best my best gift to her is that all, although I've got a lot of stuff happening and a lot of my own pursuits, my my Best gift to her is to be really interested in what she's doing and not to compete for airtime. I don't need her to be that interested in what I'm doing. She is, but I don't need her to be that interested in what I'm doing. I'm here to be here for her. And one of the ways to do that for us is set aside quality time for engagement. And she's got even a higher level of need for that than me. I can go for a long time without quote unquote quality time. I'm a drink on the run type guy. Um, <laughs> I can, I can pick that we, up. But she needs that, right? And we need to sure. have like X amount of quality time. She needs it, but she's not going to ask for it. I need to go stand for it. So X amount of date nights, X amount of putting it when we've been on the go, when we've done four days in a row and in, in, in New York City, like last week, like we need to have some quality debrief time. So like at night, we're starting a new practice of turning off TV stuff and sitting and reading a book together and just talking and connecting so she can have time to put her roots down in the soil with me. So what we don't want is for all of the external ambitions to really leave a fault at home. And I don't spend another answer to the question is I don't spend any time competing with her. Any, I want in every room, I want her to thrive and her to be the star. And she feels that and even rooms and she's wonderful, wonderfully complimentary to me and would says 10 times the amount of affirming things about me than I do about her. She's really effusive like that, but I really want her to be the star and that makes a difference.
1: Yeah, the reason I ask is I'm through, I'm kind of going through the process myself where I haven't had the exit, but it's I'm dissecting the old relationship and the relationship that just recently ended. I don't want that to happen again because I'm wanting to date and marry an entrepreneurial woman. That's Uh something that's important for me. So that's why your story and your path is very interesting to me because you guys both have your own paths and your own successes independent of each other. And it's like you're walking the path two separate paths together, willingly. Would you echo that? Or is there any other closing advice that you would give?
0: <laughs> no, that's true. We've got very distinct worlds. Both of us are really have, are throwing ourselves. I think probably the, probably the challenge is that if you're running your own thing, you think about your own thing all the time.
1: 24-7. It doesn't stop. Right? Tw- yeah, that's right. Do you have so, hobbies? I don't have hobbies anymore, man. I'm trying to build them back out. <laughs> yeah, I don't really. I got back into
0: golf during covid which has been great. It's essentially kind of self-reflection time. I'm not like a golf nerd and watching YouTube all the time. That kind of thing is <laughs> just a place for me to get away. Because if I don't get away, I'll just be at the desk all day long. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's learning time for me as well. I'm always listening to podcasts, listening to a book while I play, and that kind of thing. It's just essentially to, it's an excuse to give myself space because I I will give myself space last. Because the the number of things that need to get done either in the business or around the house are endless and that's never going to go away. So it's my own kind of stake in the ground saying, Hey, I need my own space just for me, my own thoughts and think about how I'm thinking about things and kind of work on the business versus working in the business. My point is that if you're really, if you're obsessed with something, that is what you think about a lot. That is what you do a lot. And so it's just sometimes it's just awkward when you get together at the end of the night and all you want to do is. Talk about what you've been doing. All your wins, all your wins, because your you wins. move the needle forward. <laughs> that's right. And she does too. And yep. Hopefully. And then this whole thing. And so then, how do you build a real relationship? You're kind of like another coworker in that space or like a yes. board. But that's But that's not an intimate conversation. It's a reporting no. kind of conversation. I embrace the awkwardness, is what I'm saying, is that I say to her all the time, I don't know how to do this, meaning be married. Successfully. I was married once before and it was pretty unsuccessful in a handful of ways. And I don't really know how to do this. So all we've got is like tonight, we're gonna to go on a date this after this afternoon, gonna go go out together. And it's there's parts of that time together that are gonna be lovely and parts of them that are gonna be really awkward. And we've been together three plus years already. We just got married in May. And that's So Yeah, thank you. And but my point is just embrace because it's a gear shift, and most people Think that because it's harder than just grinding on your job because you know what to do and you're really good at it and it's invigorating and there's money signs connected to it. It's very provoking in that way and engaging in that way. It's a really good
1: dopamine reward
0: system. Of course. Of course. Yeah. And that's why we do it. And that's why it's hard to like shift gears and go and get into some kind of other mode, which is like intimacy and sharing and listening and getting off the adrenaline or wanting to get to bed so you can get up and hit the gym at 5.30 in the morning. That's sometimes in my head. I'm just like, I don't want to talk. I want to just go to bed, and go to sleep so I can get up and do my thing the next day. And it's just, I don't know. Sometimes I don't know what to talk like There's what you, things I could share, but it's to really connect.
1: I don't know what's in that gap and that's okay. I think everything in this conversation is wrapping up pretty beautifully because what did we talk about in the beginning? Like we talked about being willing to lean into that right and on. then that's where the bullshit comes in right is like we're yep. not we're operating that five out of ten and we're afraid of looking yep. and we're afraid of that failure so it's the same conversation is you're yep. saying hey i don't know what i'm doing she doesn't know what she's doing but yep. you know what like we're committed to this being worth it and worth that's figuring right. out that's right that's right Hey, Um, man, I'm talking, I crack myself up because I could say some pretty insightful things on this podcast, but here I am being single again, bro. All right. (laughs) Hey, hey, that's the flow of life, man. That's the flow of life. So on to bigger and better, man. In closing, where can people find you? And who do you help specifically that if they're listening to this podcast and they're gravitating towards you, you're like, you are my perfect person to work with. Sure. So... People can find me on Instagram, obviously, like adrian.k
0: is that handle. We've got the Naked Leadership podcast that I've been doing with my business partner and chief creative Chad Brown for many years now, for three or four years. So we speak, it's called Naked Leadership because we talk about what it really takes to pull something off. So we don't just talk about strategy. That's important. We don't talk about tactics. That's important. We really talk about what it takes to actually be a leader that pulls it off, which is to, mostly in the self-mastery category. Like, how sure. do you approach something? How do you need to see something? How, what kind of your own bullshit do you need to get a hold of in order to presence the future that you say you want? And that takes art. So really talk about the art of leadership in that way. And if, if you're leading well, you'll, you must be vulnerable. You can't do it another way. Anyway, so naked leadership podcast, adrian.k on Instagram, ideal clients. I work only with really frustrated, ambitious people. I, I'm like. If you are this person or you know this person, I like the type A dickheads. They're my favorite people because they're That's ignitable. why we get
1: along, brother. That's right, man.
0: That's right. I <laughs> love people that are just, that are, they're the eager ones. And I don't talk people into anything, but they're bothered. Really, the people I work with are really bothered. And they're usually dealing with that botheredness in a really satisfying for sure, but also ineffective way. And I'm really good at helping people stop betraying themselves. So people that really want to leverage their talent and take their team and their organization to the next level and realize that they are the beginning and the end of all success and all failure.
1: So beautiful. people want to live like that worth a conversation. All right. You guys heard it here first. If that's, you know who to reach out to Adrian, my, br- my brother, I appreciate you coming on, man. Yeah, man. Great to be with you. Been a beautiful conversation with that. That's been Brian and Adrian with the Action Academy podcast signing off. Hey, real quick, if you're still listening to today's episode, I'm assuming you got value from it. So I need your help specifically. My two-year vision with this show is to help over 1 million people do what they want, when they want, with who they want. And I can only do that with your help. There are two main ways that a podcast grows. One is through ratings and reviews, and the other is word of mouth. If you could please leave me a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, as well as send this to one or two friends that you think would get value from it, we can reach the people that we're looking to reach. Thanks in advance. Talk tomorrow.